Good morning, everyone. It really is a joy and a privilege for me to be able to stand up and share God's word with you this morning. As I considered the folk at the camp and all the fun they had, I thought it would be interesting that we had a little bit of fun this morning before we started. And I hope that the elders will give me just a little bit of grace. And so when my daughter heard that I was going to be preaching this morning, she said to me, Dad, if you preach too long, I'm going to send an alarm clock. <laughs> and so if you see a lovely little daughter, a little granddaughter come walking down the aisle saying, Pa, Pa, that's my alarm clock. <laughs> the other thing that Pastor Norman and I have is a, a standing joke. Doesn't matter which part of the world we've been to, whether it's been to Brazil, when I was in Brazil and I had to preach in a little church in Villa de Cava, the transformer blew up and the lights went off. When I went to Swaziland, the lights went off. And when we went to India and I was preaching in a barn one night and the, the Hindus were crying out and making a noise, Pastor Norman prayed that it would stop and guess what happened? The lights went off. <laughs> and so Pastor Norman bought me a, a lamp for Christmas one day, so that when the lights would go off, that I could see what I was preaching. And today I hear that at 10 o'clock the lights are going to go off. <laughs> so if the power goes off at 10 o'clock, it's Eskim. And so I hope that you will grant me just a little bit of grace whilst we get the power back on. Several years ago I had the opportunity of going on a mission trip with Pastor Harold. And we went up to Zimbabwe, and it was called a mission of mercy. We took up boxes of food from Dorcas Aid. We took up medical supplies and clothing. And I remember arriving there at Central Baptist in Harare. And we got split into different teams to do home visitation. And I remember we left and we drove to the remote part of Harare. We stopped at the side of the road and we carried these boxes of food to our first visitation. And it was about 500 meters that we carried and these boxes were getting heavy. But as we got to this home, this lady came rushing out and she said, I'm so happy to see you. And she hugged us and she said, I'm so happy to see you. And she showed us her humble home. And there outside her house was a fire pit, big black pot, a fire that she made, and she was cooking a supper. She took us into her humble home, and she showed us all the boxes in her pantry, and each little box had a different spice. And when we left, she said, it was so nice to see you. And the one thing about this lady was she was blind. And I was puzzled, and it got me thinking, if she was blind, why did she say, I'm so happy to see you? And so I pondered on that for quite a while, and as I was preparing some messages for a mission trip to India, I came across this passage. And it was a passage in Luke chapter 18, and we're going to have a look at it. And as I looked at this passage, it was a passage about a blind man. And as I looked into it, I saw that the blind man could see. And so this morning, I would like us to turn 
in our Bibles to Luke chapter 18. Reading from verse 18. <clears throat> As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Let's pray. Our gracious God, our Heavenly Father, our loving Lord, as we come to your word this morning, we pray that you would speak to our hearts clearly, that, Lord, we would see you, we would see the caring, the loving Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, and, Lord, that we would give you all the glory. Speak to us through your word, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. In order to get some context as to what was happening, we need to read the verses before this passage. And what we read in verse 31, Jesus foretells his death. He says, And taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished, for he will be delivered over to the Gentiles. And he will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from him, from them. And they did not grasp what he was saying. Charles Spurgeon said to to those that are, are going out to preach, he said, you to consider those that are to hear you. Are they sinners or are they saints? If you preach to both sinners and saints, you will kill two birds with one stone. Well, we're not planning on killing any birds here this morning. That's the good news. But it's my prayer that God's word will speak to both sinners and saints. Jesus was living in the last days of his life. Can you imagine that? He was on his way to Calvary. He was on his way to Jerusalem, to the cross, where he would be crucified, where he would die for our sins, and where he would rise again on the third day. And so he told his disciples what was about to happen. Imagine that on the heart of Jesus. He knew what was ahead of him 
But we also told that his disciples, although they heard it, the truth was hidden from them and they did not grasp what he said. And so this morning as we look at this passage, I want us to ask the question, what did, what did the blind man see? You see, we can learn a lot from this blind man. In fact, it's also repeated in other Gospels. And in Mark, we hear that the blind man's name was Bartimaeus. So what did Bartimaeus, what did the blind man see? Well, as we look at this passage and we look at the first few verses, we first of all see that he saw the seriousness of his situation. He saw the seriousness of his situation. I don't know if you can read that. The Bible tells us a blind man, a blind man was sitting by the roadside and he was begging. And so the first thing we see is his blindness. Bartimaeus was physically blind. He could not see. Every day was the same for Bartimaeus in his darkened world. He lived in a world of darkness and there was no light present at all in his world. There was no sunrise. There was no sunset. He could not see whether it was night or day. There was no doctor that could help him. There was no man that could give him sight or bring light into his darkened world. But we also know that he was a social outcast. He was a beggar. Why was he a beggar? Because in the culture of the day, those that were blind were branded as sinners. And they believed that his blindness came about because of great sin, that he had committed great sin or one of his family members had committed great sin. And so he was labeled as a sinner. Potamas's existence would have been a miserable one. It would have been miserable because he could not go out and earn a living. He could not work. There were no vacancies. There were no subsidies for disabled workers like today. And so all he could do was sit the side of the road and beg. And so in order to survive, he would have sat at the entrance where people would pass by. And when Jesus was passing by, we see just how desperate his situation was by what he said, have mercy on me. We only cry out for mercy when our situation is serious. And that's what he saw. Sadly, in our world today, there are many of us, yes, that have physical sight, but they are spiritually blind. Like blind man Bartimaeus, they live in a world of darkness. Spiritual blindness is far worse than physical blindness. They're unable to see God. They're unable to see the truth of the gospel message. And the things of God are foolishness to them, and nor can they understand them because they're spiritually discerned. And in fact, their blindness keeps them from seeing their eternal destiny. And so their need is far greater far more serious than physical blindness. The Bible tells us that sin blinds us from the truth in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4. For the God of this age has blinded the man of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel, 
of the glory of Christ. We blinded from the truth. And so to many that are living in a world of darkness, they're trapped in sin, they're bound, captive, they're broken, they're lost. And how lovely the worship was. And as I looked at the worship and I saw the words and I could just see there was a pattern that was weaving. They don't realize how serious their situation is because the truth is being kept from them. And so deep inside the blind man, there are those around us and maybe even some here this morning that are desperately crying out for help because they cannot see. And you can picture Bartimaeus. Each day he would grope around for that crust of bread. He would take his staff and he would tap, tap his way to the position where he would sit. But this day was a different day. There was something different because he could hear it from the buzz of the crowd. He could hear it from the commotion that was going on around. Something out of the ordinary was happening on that day. He heard the excitement. The curiosity got to him. And so he inquired of the crowd, what did this all mean? You see, the thing about Bartimaeus was he was blind, but he wasn't deaf. Bartimaeus could hear. And so what he did was he used the eyes of the crowd, those people around him, to see what he couldn't see. And when he heard that Jesus was passing by, he saw something. And he saw that Jesus was the Messiah who could help and could heal him. Why do we say that? Hearing that Jesus was passing by, he cried out, Jesus Son of David, have mercy on me. I can imagine his heart must have leapt that day. But why is it important that he cried out, Jesus, Son of David? You see, Bartimaeus' belief enabled him to see spiritual truth that the crowd could not see. He saw truth that the crowd could not see. You see, the crowd saw Jesus as a man from Nazareth. They saw him as a noted teacher. Yes, a wonder worker. But Bartimaeus saw him as the son of David. Bartimaeus saw Jesus as the Messiah, the anointed one. A descendant of David that was sent in fulfillment of God's promises. The son of David who would take up the king the role of a king and rule forever. You see, Bartimaeus believed that Jesus was the Messiah that could open the eyes of the blind. He could open the ears of the deaf. He could bind up the brokenhearted and he could set the captive free. When Jesus first began his ministry, we know that he was tempted in the desert for 40 days. And after that, we told that he visited Nazareth and he went to the, sec the synagogue on a Sunday, which was his normal custom. And on that day, he took the, roll, the scroll of Isaiah and he read these words, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news 
He sent me to proclaim good news, to proclaim freedom, freedom to the prisoners, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And so as they heard Jesus' word, it was fulfilled. And so Bartimaeus saw something really significant when he cried out, Jesus, son of David. You see, if you look in the, in the Gospel of Luke, nobody else, nobody else in the Gospel of Luke saw Jesus as the son of David, but Bartimaeus did. But he cried out, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus knew he was blind, he knew he was a sinner, and he knew he was in need of great mercy. And look at that song we sung this morning. His mercy is more. His mercy is more. In Psalm 86, verses 6 and 7, Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. When I am in distress, I call to you because you answer me. And Bartimaeus, like that psalmist, he believed he believed that if he cried out, the Lord would have mercy on him. You know, we read in Romans 10 and verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's what happened to Bartimaeus on that day. The Bible reveals to us that Jesus is indeed God's anointed one, the only one who has authority to forgive us all our sin. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. There is no other way. And Acts 4 and verse 12 says, Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved. Bartimaeus believed that Jesus would bring sight to the blind and set him free. With his spiritual eyes, he believed that Jesus alone could save him, could help him, and could heal him. There was a third thing that Bartimaeus saw. He saw that this might be his last and only opportunity. His last and only opportunity. And we see this through his boldness. We see this through his courage. We see this through his action. As Jesus was passing by, yes, he cried out for mercy. But what did the crowd do? The crowd rebuked him. They rebuked him. They told him to keep quiet. You see, he would have been seen as a sinner. He would have been seen as a nobody, someone that's insignificant. And his crying out would have been an embarrassment. And so the crowd told him, keep quiet. Bartimaeus also saw the coldness of the crowd that day. But Bartimaeus was not afraid. He was not afraid of the crowd or what they might do. He was not bothered by the crowd and what they thought. And he was not afraid to cry out, even when others try to silence him. In fact, Bartimaeus cried out even louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
You know, the Greek word for cried out is crazo, which can be translated as absolute, absolute desperation. It almost sounds like a South African phrase. Crazo is a crazy O. And he acted like a crazy O that day when he cried out, Jesus, have mercy on me. It was showing how desperate his situation was, but how confident he was. How confident he was. And how convinced he was that Jesus could help him and heal him. And that this might be his only and his last opportunity. Isaiah 55 and verse 6 tells us, Seek the Lord, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. And that's what Bartimaeus did. Let the wicked forsake their ways, the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And that's what he did. He had mercy on Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus saw this as his last and only opportunity. You know, Jesus taught his disciples in John 6 and verse 44, no one can come to the Father unless he is drawn by God. And it's clear from this passage that Bartimaeus was drawn to Jesus by the Father. And nothing but nothing, nothing would stop him from having an audience with Jesus. Why? Because God was drawing him. And this is an amazing passage. It was Jesus last week, yes. He had a lot on his mind. And he stopped. He was being drawn to Jesus. But if we continue on to Luke 19, we'll see exactly the same thing happen again. Because as he entered into Jericho, there was a tax collector. In fact, he was a chief tax collector. And yes, the Jews, they, they classified people as sinners, but there were sinners and bad sinners and worse sinners. And Zacchaeus was the worst. He was a tax collector and he was seen as a traitor. And what did he want to do? When he heard that Jesus was passing by, he wanted to see Jesus. And being a short man, and the people certainly wouldn't have helped him come to the front to see Jesus. He ran ahead. Nothing was going to stop him. That crowd was not going to stop him. He climbed a tree. Why? Because he wanted to see Jesus. You see, the Father was drawing him. And what did Jesus do? Jesus also stopped. And he said, Zacchaeus. He knew him by name. He called him Zacchaeus. Come down. Beloved, when God calls us, when he draws us, nothing Nothing will stop us from coming to him. When we put our faith in Christ, there will be obstacles that come our way. There will be opposition, but we must allow nothing, nothing to stop us from coming to Christ. We need to be bold and we need to be persistent. Bartimaeus was persistent in his cry for mercy. Whatever the cost, no cost can be too great. You see, the truth is, it was his last and only opportunity. And that truth has been brought to each one of us these last few weeks. We don't know what's going to happen today, tomorrow, or next week. I remember going with Pastor Norman to an evangelist conference down in Peter Marisburg, and it was a glorious time. 
it was a time where the Lord really challenged us. He challenged us so many times with so many messages. There were pastors, there were evangelists there, and as we heard and we felt the presence of God and we heard the message, we got on our knees and we cried out for mercy too. I will never forget one sermon. There was a sermon about Jesus making us fisher of men. And one day Jesus is going to come to us and say, where the fish? Where the fish? Oh, you can have meetings. You can know how to fish. You can know what places to fish. You can see all the bait, but where are the fish? Where are the fish? And we'll see that a little later. The end of that conference, we celebrated because we had enjoyed the presence of God and God speaking to us. We got in the vehicle and we were driving up the road. And shortly after that, Norman got a phone call. And one of the pastors that was driving to the airport was killed in a car accident. A truck drove through the traffic light and killed him. He was in God's will, the center of God's will. We don't know whether this is today, the time or the hour. We saw that with Stuart. We saw that with Doug Carter. This was his last and only opportunity. We need to take it seriously. The fourth thing that Bartimaeus saw was his compassionate and caring Savior. Remember, Jesus was on his way to the cross. He knew that he would be insulted. He knew that he would be spat on. He knew that he would be beaten and nailed to that cross for our sin. He had a lot on his mind. Yet on hearing that man's cry for mercy, what did Jesus do? We read that he stopped. Jesus heard that cry. And he stopped. And what he did was he said, bring that man to me. He commanded that Bartimaeus be brought to him. And look at the question that he asked Bartimaeus. He said to him, what is it that you want me to do for you? What is it? It's not that Jesus didn't know that Bartimaeus was blind, but he gave him the privilege, the privilege of making a specific request publicly and having it granted, all for the glory of God. What a caring and what a compassionate Savior. Bartimaeus wouldn't have felt entitled nor would he have felt that he deserved to receive his sight. He was seeking mercy from the Lord. The Greek text for the word mercy literally means to bring help to those who are wretched. Bartimaeus knew what he wanted and he responded with respect and humility. How did he respond? He said, Lord, Lord, I want to see. And you see, the Lord responded to him and gave him a, a wonderful blessing. He gave him his sight. Can you imagine this blind man that had been living in darkness? His eyes were opened, and what was the first thing he saw? He saw a caring and compassionate Savior standing right before his eyes. 
Fanny Crosby is one of the most prolific hymn writers and that's come out of America. She's written over 9,000 hymns. The most famous, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. And shortly after her birth, Fanny Crosby caught a cold that settled in her eyes and her parents took her to a doctor who applied some form of mustard, be mustard seed and anointment and it didn't cure her but rather it damaged her optic nerves, leaving her blind. She was blind but she wasn't helpless. And many people, many times people came and they, they sympathized with her about her blindness. And you know what her response was? Do you know that if at birth I'd been able to make one petition, it would have been that I was born blind? When they asked why, she said, because when I get to heaven, the first face, the first face that shall gladden my sight will be that of my Savior. And that's what happened with Bartimaeus. He saw the face of his caring and compassionate Savior. But you know, Jesus commended Bartimaeus for his faith. He commended him for his faith. He said to Bartimaeus, your faith, your faith has made you well. Immediately he recovered his sight and followed him. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. And his faith was certainly pleasing to God. A hymn that would have resonated with Bartimaeus was written by John Newton, a slave trader. And he wrote that song after his life had been radically changed, radically transformed because he met Jesus. Amazing grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. He wasn't physically blind, he was spiritually blind. He was lost, but Jesus found him. And that's what happened with Bartimaeus. Jesus found him. The blind man saw the seriousness of his situation. He saw Jesus as a Messiah who could help and heal him. He saw that this might be his last and only opportunity. He saw the face of his compassionate and caring Savior. But the story never ended there. It continued. See, the last thing that he saw was a radical change in his focus that brought glory to God. A radical change in his focus that brought glory to God. What does the Bible teach us about a person that has an encounter with Jesus Christ? What does it teach us? It teaches us that there will be radical change. Jesus said in John 8 and verse 12, Behold, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but they will have the light of life. What did Bartimaeus do? Immediately he followed Jesus. He followed Jesus. And so we see four truths 
from Bartimaeus meeting the Lord Jesus Christ, there was a change in his focus. You see, having been living in darkness, what happened to Bartimaeus? His world of darkness changed to a world of light. The second thing we see was that there was a change in direction. A change in direction in his life. You see, before he was sitting, now Bartimaeus was following. From sitting to following, the direction of his life changed. The third thing we see was that there was a change in his attitude. You see, Bartimaeus was sitting and he was begging. What happened after he met the Lord Jesus Christ? He was praising. From begging to praising, his attitude changed. And then there was a change in his influence. There was a change in his influence. A nobody who became a somebody who had an encounter with the living Christ. What a testimony of God's goodness. God's grace and God's goodness to Bartimaeus influenced others. The crowd too. The crowd that had told him to stop and to be silent. They joined in. They too were changed. And they praised God. They praised God. You see this passage as we look in the application. My alarm clock hasn't come yet by the way. tells us a lot about a blind man who had a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. But the truth is it's really a lesson about a loving Savior, a King of glory, who stopped to help and to heal a man when he heard his cry for mercy. Yes, there was a lot of noise from that crowd, but Jesus heard his cry for mercy. The blind man seized that moment. He seized that opportunity as Jesus was passing by. And he came and met Jesus personally as his Savior and as his Lord. Beloved, this morning, this is that moment for some of us sitting here today. This is that moment. Jesus still passes us by, even today, because he's a caring He's a loving Savior. And you know, if we, don't, if we don't seize this moment, we could miss something that's extraordinary. We've looked at God's Word this morning, and if we do nothing, there are those that are living in blindness that will stay in blindness. The end of, of this passage, as we journey in this passage, might be that we might see the Savior, the King, following Him and give Him glory. How does this passage apply to you and to me today? Well, for many of us, yes, there's saints here this morning, but maybe there's that one, one lost sinner. Bartimaeus knew about Jesus, but before, when he was blind, he never knew Jesus personally. Are you living this morning in spiritual blindness? Have you been blinded by the God of this world? Are you living in a world that is dark, one full of sin? As you listen, you know the heart of the Father. 
He draws us to himself. And maybe this morning, in this moment, he's drawing you. He's drawing you to the cross. You see, he hears the cries of those who ask for mercy. Knowing about Jesus is not enough. We can know all about him. We need to know him. We need to know him personally. Shortly after I got married, I moved from Zimbabwe to Transkai with a suitcase and about 500 rand. And I took my young wife with me, and having not much money, I had to earn some money to make, to make a life. And so what I did was I worked, and I worked, and I worked, and I neglected my wife. And one year after I'd been living there, gathering up the money, I nearly lost my wife. My marriage was broken. And she said, I'm going to Canada. I'm going to where my parents live. And I'll never forget that morning going to the office. And as I sat in the office and I was thinking, my life was broken. A friend whom I hadn't seen for many years came in and asked me, how are you? And I told him, my life's broken. And he said to me, have you heard about Jesus? I said, I've heard. He said, do you know Jesus? And I said, no. And he took a cardboard box. He tore it with a cokey pen. And he drew out the gospel. He drew out the cross of Jesus Christ. And he told me, Jesus loves you. He died on a cross for your sin. He can help you. Will you come to church on Sunday night? And on Sunday night, I said, yes, I'll come. I was desperate. And as I went to church that day, there was a visiting preacher, and he preached the gospel message about that one lost sheep, the one lost sheep that went astray, the prodigal son that went away. And as he preached, it was like God was speaking to me. I knew that I was that lost sheep. And I remember singing, singing that song, Ye who is weary, sinner, come home. And as I heard that gospel message, <clears throat> and as he prayed, didn't matter about the crowd. As he was praying, I got up and I walked to the front and I got on my knees. God was drawing me to Jesus. And that night, I asked for forgiveness. In my heart, I cried for mercy. And Jesus saved me. He found me. He saved me. Is that you here today? You see, it was my friend Trevor that brought me to Jesus. Now, why am I telling you that story? As we look in this application, we see in the crowd there are people that brought Bartimaeus to Jesus, and there were people that kept Bartimaeus from coming to Jesus. And this morning, the question for us is, are you keeping people? from coming to Jesus? Or are you bringing people to Jesus? It's wonderful, wonderful to see that the elders and Clinton have shared their heart that on Sunday night, Sunday night will be an evening, a gospel service, an outreach service. And the question is, are you bringing people to Jesus? Or are you keeping them? How do we keep people from from coming to Jesus by doing nothing, by doing nothing, or little. Are we persistent in our prayer? Do we see the seriousness of their situation? 
the desperate need that they have and bring them so that they can hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that they might hear the gospel and believe. As a believer, and I know that there's many here today, is your life radically different after your encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ? Has there been a change in focus? Are you sitting or are you following? Are you following in obedience? Has there been a change in your attitude? <clears throat> are you begging and are you using God as a bob machine? Or are you praising God for what he's done? That he saved you. That he gave his life for you. And maybe this morning you've come here with a deep need. A deep need. And in your heart you're crying out, God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on my loved one. And Jesus asks you this morning, what is it that you want me to do for you? I don't see any name and claim it in this Bible. I see a broken man. Humbly come before the Lord in respect and humility and say, Lord, this is what I, this is what I want. You fill in the blank. And so this morning, what is it, as Jesus passes us by, what is it that you want him to do for you? Are you going to have the faith like Bartimaeus to do something about it? Or are you going to leave it unsettled? This morning I plead with you, don't leave this place unless you've settled that matter with the Lord. There's elders here this morning that would love to pray with you. There's Pastor Norman. There's our prayer warrior, Robin. There are those that will pray with you. Bring your need to Christ this morning. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, this might be your last your only opportunity, and not only for those that are sitting, but those that are listening online. Would you come to Jesus? Sinner, come home. Let's pray. Our gracious God, as we ponder your word this morning, Lord, I pray for anyone here that knows about you but doesn't know you personally. Lord, I pray that they would not leave this place without coming to the cross. That, Lord, they might cry out for mercy and, Lord, that you might grant it. Father, I pray that you would have mercy on each one of us here this morning. Father, maybe there's some here this morning Lord, if we're honest, instead of bringing people to Jesus, we're keeping them from Jesus. Lord, would you forgive us? Would you change our hearts, change our lives, change our focus, change our direction, and change our attitudes that we might follow you, that we might glorify you, and Lord, that others might see the change in our lives and they too might praise your holy name. Father, we ask in all things this morning that you and you alone would take all the glory because we ask it in your matchless name. Amen.